All right, how's it going, everybody? This is Dan Fagella here with Sentient Potential. I'm lucky enough to be here uh, with Helgi Helgeson today, who's a recent PhD uh, and researcher in the domain of artificial general intelligence. Dr. Helgeson, how are you? Hi, I'm great. How are you? Great. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I've been speaking with a lot of folks in the artificial intelligence domain and speaking on the topics of AGI. I was talking to you off camera a second ago about catching up with Ben Gertzel and, and some of the folks at OpenCog. Um, I'm, I'm sort of curious, initially, I know you've been involved in this field forever, you had some of the events up on your social media pages and things like that. Um, I'm curious now, being as you just wrapped up your PhD, and obviously that was your emphasis there, on sort of how you see the progression of the field at present, and really what you see as the most promising current channels of AGI research. Um, I know there's a, a bunch of different kind of divergent paths people are going about to kind of the same end to a respect. So I want to kind of get your general picture. Yeah. So, well, first of all, I think uh, when we talk about progress and uh, artificial intelligence and AGI, um, I really think it's important that we have this field now, AGI. We didn't, it's not been around for that long. It's since like 2008 that we have this group of researchers that's come together to really attack the big problem after decades of narrow AI, basically. So, <clears throat> of course, uh, uh, having my background, uh, it's kind of typical that I, I would say that promising avenues are the, are the ones that I have been pursuing, otherwise I probably wouldn't have pursued <laughs> Yes, them. of course. Yeah, so uh, <clears throat> this is really where we see the path being the engineering of systems that have greater autonomy than we, have, we see so far. So we have systems that are uh, fully introspective and uh, can learn from their experience, their observations to solve problems in a general fashion, and very importantly, we have tackled time directly. So this is a major problem with uh, many theoretical models of computer science that they, they really don't uh, give proper consideration to time. Um, I mean, if you look at the, the Turing machine, it doesn't include time in any way, but time is really important to intelligence because uh, you have limited time to make decisions, and uh, I mean, if you had infinite time, infinite resources, then you could just evaluate every single possibility and it would be intelligence. So yeah, I think this neglect of time has really set back uh, artificial intelligence research. Hmm. After. And, and how, how do you kind of see that tangibly manifesting, or do you believe sort of on the aggregate we've we focused on sort of uh, machine capacity, but maybe not the speed at which it can produce those results or the speed at which we can get to that level of capacity? Or how do you see kind of the time or urgency emphasis maybe not, not panning out? Well, I, I think you know, this has to be addressed at the architecture level because you know, it's neglecting time like this is fine uh, until you get to tasks where you have to be incredibly reactive to the environment at, um, you know, at, at very high frequencies. So then time becomes uh, really important. So this calls for uh, a change of architecture. You know, with uh, If you want to have an ATI system operating in the real world, you can't spend a lot of time making a plan far into the future, which you can just blindly execute. You have to sort of reactively plan and uh, consider time, the time you have, I mean, what branches of the possible future you're going to examine. So kind of a, almost almost like project management to an extent about how AGI is being developed and cultivated and what steps and kind of an iteration process around that? Uh, maybe not so much an iteration. So uh, my, my PhD dissertation was actually about attention 
for ATI systems. It's called uh, General Attention Mechanisms for Artificial Intelligence Systems, and uh, you can Google it. It's available online. Cool. So, uh, attention has been neglected a lot within uh, artificial intelligence and uh, also also AGI, but it's it's really uh, important to have it because to give proper consideration to it because attention is really what controls what information from the environment you're going to process because you have in in real world environments you have massive amounts of information and you will never be able to process all of it. So you have to select very carefully what is interesting. I mean, this is just uh, also what happens in, in the human brain and has yes. been well studied. And yet, has been uh, neglected pretty much up until now for artificial intelligence um, in, in many ways. Hmm. So uh, I believe the attention mechanism I presented in my dissertation is actually, well, uh, to the best of my knowledge, it's the first design for an attention mechanism that is uh, comprehensive, so it tackles top-down and bottom-up attention. That's the deliberate and the reactive side of attention. Also includes process control, so it's not just selecting the information, but it's also deciding how you're going to process it. And uh, also covers introspection, so what parts of the internals in the system are interesting right now. So mm. it tackles all these dimensions of attention. Well, meta metacognition of artificial intelligence would be an interesting Yeah, that's definitely domain. part of it. Yeah. Um, and I know that there's so many various approaches that are going on right now in terms of really generating human-level or obviously, as you had mentioned, beyond uh, human-level intelligence in kind of the AGI domain. Um, there's a lot of effort now in replicating sort of the brain and being able to model what's going on in the brain. I think Obama has a project. There's a Blue Brain guys who've been at work for quite some time now. Uh, a number of other people thin slicing uh, human and animal brains into you know micron thick layers and discerning sort of how to reconstruct those those uh, yeah. things. And then there's other other people like Ben Gertzel who's going about it more from kind of a computer science field. What are your thoughts on those different approaches and who's making progress? Well, uh, yeah, and I should also mention the European Union actually also started a project to uh, uh, simulate the, the entire brain, so it's, wow. a, it's a hot field. But, uh, <clears throat> so, uh, this degree of biological inspiration to actually model the brain in detail, I mean, uh, I see some problems with it. I think it's great for medicine, I mean, de definitely useful, but, uh, I mean, uh, when you have simulated an entire human brain, you still don't have a body. So, uh, you know, the inputs won't be what the brain is actually getting. I mean, that's yeah, another yeah. field you have to work on. And uh, <clears throat> so, in general, my personal view is that uh, it may not be uh, the most practical way towards ATI. It may oh. help us understand some things. But I, I like to look at it more from an engineering perspective, just looking really at what are the requirements to achieve uh, greater degrees of of AGI than we have, and uh, actually just tackle it really head on that we're doing this with computer hardware and there's no sort of biological tissue or anything. I mean, these, are, these two are very different mediums. Cool. Yeah, and I think hopefully maybe, in, and I've heard this, this notion sort of articulated a number of occasions, but uh, I suppose the, uh, the folks that are working on brain replication are hoping to be able to determine 
some kind of system models or some functions or some interactions um, of intelligence that maybe the folks outside of the wetware stuff, outside of biology, might be able to then use to some extent. So maybe there'd be some crossover. And similarly, the folks, the folks working on hardware uh, in circuitry and things like that might be able to use some of that higher level technology to build some kind of semblance of, you know, some constituents of intelligence that maybe we find in the brain. So maybe there's some crossover, but you believe, you know, replicating the brain by itself likely isn't the quickest path to artificial general intelligence. Yeah, um, so I definitely think there's a crossover on, on both sides. But uh, <clears throat> as, as I said, uh, I, I, it's not obvious how it's immediately going to be practical if you can simulate the human brain. I mean, you're going to have a, a lot of millions of components interacting and uh, to actually extract some knowledge you can use to build uh, ATI computer systems. Uh, I mean, it's, it's not obvious. I mean, definitely there, there will be some benefits, but it's if, if I were to pick uh, the most promising path, this this would not be it. I mean, biological inspiration is, is of course necessary, but uh, then the question is how deep do you go with that? Yeah, exactly. Do you, do you really aim to replicate every neuronal connection and the mechanisms therein, or do you just aim to look at a system's level and be able to kind of glean some insight from that and go build something else? Um, okay, cool. And, and uh, I want to be able to catch up a little bit as well, again, because you're immersed in the field. Oh, you see me now there, Helgi? Oh, looks like we're getting cut off here. Yeah, I don't know well, what happened. Okay, yeah. yeah, so we're all set. Anyway, um, okay. so yeah, I, I was just saying, I, I know because you've been involved in the field for so long, you just wrapped up your PhD, so you've been buried in this stuff. Um, what do you see as, if we're just talking about general kind of life and society, some of the bigger initial domains, obviously artificial intelligence does a lot, a lot that people aren't aware of. I mean, everything from Amazon.com to managing finances to you know orchestrating airplanes and things like that. Where do you see kind of the biggest initial implementation of AGI into sort of our our day to day human lives in, in in an application that's you know really meaningful and and uh, maybe uh, kind of societally or life altering in some respect? So at some point, uh, it will probably be possible to have uh, things like household robots and uh, so robots that. Have embody a sort of common sense, and uh, they can adapt to the circumstances. Uh, and uh, you know, there are plenty of examples of this from science fiction. Yeah. But uh, I mean, for this to happen, of course, robotics may have to take some uh, make some progress as well on on, a, on its side. So uh, I think I mean it's possible that maybe if you uh, within a decade. Uh, you will have some uh, mass consumer device where you will actually get the feeling that you know, there's someone home there. This is, you know, this is not all pre-programmed. Um, so which is a different feeling than you get when you talk to Siri, which you know basically just analyzes what what you said and decides from a list of predefined tasks what what you're referring to. This, this will be a, a different different feeling. 
Jets. Yeah, yeah, a totally different kind of interaction when intelligence is at that level. Now, presumably AGI involves some pretty darn serious stuff in terms of, again, beyond uh, just usefulness and utility into uh, grander scope and scale management of bigger picture societal systems. Um, you know, yeah. guys like Kurzweil speak to the topic of the singularity and things like that. Um, do you see AGI's development and kind of beyond human intelligence, like beyond human general intelligence, um, leading us down any paths like that? Do you see that as even remotely reasonable in any kind of time span, or do you really see kind of the the more domestic sort of applications or just uh, general business applications being sort of where AGI falls? Well, uh, those are several issues. So, uh, first of all, uh, when we talk about going beyond human intelligence, I mean, there's this thing with autonomy and how much autonomy do you want uh, a computer ATI um, system to have? So, and I mean, from my perspective, you, it would be insane not to uh, have bounded autonomy. So you want to have a, a system that is sort of has free will within a certain range and uh, can act. But if you have a system generating completely its uh, base level goals, then, uh, I mean, you, you wouldn't do this for any, any practical reason. So then, uh, then it becomes a game of creating Pinocchio. And uh, this is not uh, really, really practical and may even turn out to be dangerous to some degree. Hmm. But then there's, uh, because uh, I mean, people shouldn't confuse these two things because we have uh, so uh, augmentation of human intelligence. So that, that's one thing. Uh, but that, that's, uh, I see that as being separate from, from ATI. ATIs yeah. are separate systems. But uh, I mean, uh, this is also a very interesting area, what happens when you can actually extend human intelligence. Yeah, that, that's, I, I suppose there is crossover there as well in terms of I mean, if we can have thinking machines and understand those constructs, can we plug that into ourselves? Um, so, but you believe that in general, as we roll these programs forward and, and begin leaning into the domain of AGI, generally, we'll be hopefully, I guess, we'll be smart enough to limit the autonomy, limit the expansive function of some of these programs, intelligences, to particular controllable things. So, we won't have an AGI that we just let release its generalness on everything, we'll, we'll still kind of have narrow applications, controlled, very human-modulated applications for these very intelligent systems? Yeah, I mean, uh, you have to look at, you know, it's expensive to research to develop these kind of kind of systems, and so if you do it, you have to have a, have a reason to do it, and I mean, it's, it's not a very good reason, and it's, uh, if you just want to unleash AGI on the world without any... Yeah, any yeah any purpose. Yeah, but uh, the thing with ATI is, of course, you, don't, you can be a lot more uh, flexible in, in how you specify what the system is intended to do, and then it can autonomously learn to improve itself. But, uh, yeah, I think the dangerous part is really when you talk about full autonomy. Yeah, um, and that, that'll take us towards our last question. The, the second to last question, I wanted to be able to uh, bounce off you just a little bit here. Uh, regards the world of business. Obviously, you had mentioned it's not cheap to build these systems, and presumably yeah. the people that are doing it, you know, they're either gigantic or government organizations that are going to be leveraging it to some use for the continuance and management of, you know, nations, etc. Uh, or it's going to be large corporations who have the ability and the researchers and the scientists to be able to uh, construct this stuff and implement it in a meaningful fashion. 
Um, how do you see the development of AGI? Obviously, as soon as it's just like anything, airplanes. I mean, there's so many companies that make airplanes. There might be main companies, but there's anybody can make them now because technology's out there. Um, when AGI becomes available and relatively well understood, despite patents, etc., um, how do you see that transforming the business landscape? You've worked with a number of businesses over the course of your career in programming and software, etc. How do you see that that influence kind of taking hold? Um, so, I mean, definitely you're going to be able to automate uh, a lot more of the tasks. So, first of all, um, I guess corporations, institutions, and businesses will simply need fewer humans to, to do what they uh, than they do today, so this may may be seen as an unfortunate um, consequence. Okay. Uh, so, so this is definitely one thing that we talk about so societal change because you can actually, I mean, AGI is really you can view it as the next steps in autonomy, uh, uh, automatic processing, uh, you know, autonomizing uh, certain tasks, certain jobs. This is just a, I mean, a computer used to be a job title. It did. Way back, yeah. It did. And, uh, you know, not so long ago, and even still today, we have people who are printers. But you see how these, you know, these jobs have been completely overtaken by devices. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's, so, that's you the know, danger. You don't, you don't want to be in a position to be replaced by, uh, by the robots. Yeah. I mean, so maybe, you know, in the future, um, customer service representative is going to be, you know, the same. It's just going to be a system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. So you, you see it as just uh, the main application, the main influence being a higher level of automation of basically anything that can be replicated uh, and, and you know, can be, I mean, it, it seems like it'd be much, so a customer service person, especially on the phone, seems a lot easier. Um, when we have really well-functioning Androids, maybe people in stores as well. Um, yeah. But in terms of somebody managing a sales team, or in terms of somebody you know as a CFO or something, presumably those jobs would be harder to you know build a build a machine to replicate. Or what are your thoughts there? Yeah, I mean I think it's uh, exactly like you say. Uh, uh, we can say you know the more demanding jobs that make demands of human qualities like. Uh, creativity and other things, those are at sort of the other end of the spectrum, so, you know, if ATI is going to replace uh, humans doing these jobs, it's going to be in the order of the complexity of the jobs and their requirements on uh, uniquely human capabilities. Cool, okay. Requirements, uniquely human capabilities, uh, I like that as a term, um, human capabilities. And the, uh, the last question I wanted to to ping off you there again. I had seen the uh, the AGI conference there on your Facebook page, which is in Beijing, I believe, at the end of this month. Um, yeah. And I know that there's there's a lot of folks working on this stuff, and there is a decent amount of collaboration, from what I gather. I, I'm not uh, fully immersed in the AGI event world, although I'm speaking with many of these folks um, and been to some events. Uh, I'm a big believer in in sort of. The, an interdisciplinary approach to looking at how emerging technologies kind of move us forward on the aggregate. Obviously, AI, as you had mentioned, you know, there is some danger there. You know, if you're building the system, you don't just want to release AGI on the world, so to speak. There are some potential downsides. Um, Nick Bostrom at the Future Humanity Institute talks about, uh, uh, he talks about the black ball concept that, you know, uh, technologies are almost like, like, uh, balls or objects that we're pulling out of an urn and you know some are 
white and they really only have benefits to us. Some are gray and they could do good, could do bad. Some might be black and there might be no going back and they're, they're more or less destined to you know, eliminate humanity or something terrible like that. And I'm not a fear monger by any chance. I'm not a, a pessimist for technology. I don't, wouldn't consider myself a, a, you know, a jubilant optimist either. I think I, I want to be as rational as possible and take in as many perspectives. Do you think that the AI, the AGI field, um, is, is either communicating enough with itself or communicating enough with other domains to really be able to move this technology forward in a way that's going to bring about massive aggregate benefit? Um, or do you see it as maybe, you know, disconnected or potentially disconnected enough to, to bring about some harm? How do you see sort of the, the state of that world right now, the state of that domain of AGI? I, I think we're following a, a very interdisciplinary uh, approach. I mean, we have Great. people pursuing the same goal from very different angles, all of which, which are interesting. Uh, <clears throat> if we talk about the dangers, I mean, uh, we will definitely see the dangers coming, so, you know, it's we, we don't have to be worried right now. Uh, I mean, it will have to it will materialize, you know, how, how, how big the dangers are going to be. We're going to see the dangers coming coming up. I, I, I think fields like, uh, if we talk about uh, so nano-engineering and nanotechnology, you know, this is, uh, I would maybe think that this is a bigger threat in ah. fields like this. And also, I mean, as Kurzweil says, uh, technology is always a double-edged sword. So, you know, nuclear power, uh, so bioengineering and uh, all these things definitely have downsides, and I think that's that's true for most major technologies. And, and so we, we already have people uh, who are anticipating these you know, problems, yeah. anticipating the, uh, the threat. So that's definitely a good thing. But I mean, uh, this is not something to worry about. I think for for the next five years, in my okay. view. Good, good, yeah, and, and I I think most people would probably agree with that as a as a time frame. Um, and what do you think that we can do on the aggregate or, or make sure that we do or hold in principle as researchers, as people sharing this information, as business people, um, to, you know, despite so many different opinions. Again, some people think AGI is the best place to put our research dollars. Some people think it's one of the most dangerous things. Both people might intend very well. They want to make the world a better place. Despite all these different perspectives on emerging tech, how can we all kind of move forward as researchers but still on the aggregate make the world a, a better place, so to speak, without being too cliche. How do you think that could be done? Um, I think it's very important that we have very clear uh, goals and we, we share you know, with the community what explicitly is our end goal. And um, This boils down to like intelligence doesn't even have a commonly accepted definition so um, we have to really specify where we want to go with this. And I think if we, if we do that and we share that information then uh, you know, we will have a clearer picture of, of the future. Yeah, and uh, cool. this will also make it easier for people to communicate, you know, because this could be clearer a lot of times today. So kind of uh, come up to, with some extent, almost since democratic, some extent of, a, of, an, of an aggregately desirable goal uh, for humanity, for all of our work being done in these different areas of emerging tech and be open and clear about progress, open and clear about what those terms are, what those objectives are, and kind of move forward with that degree of transparency about those things? Yeah, yeah, cool. okay. I like that, actually, the goal element I had heard of. And it's not that people want to uh, sort of hide uh, these things, it's just that uh, people oftentimes don't communicate uh, as well as they could in this field because they, you know, they have different ideas about what the 
same concept to me. It's yeah, and it seems as though that transparency is going to be important because if if um, you know making a nuclear bomb may may continue to be difficult with all the resource needs and whatever else potentially making some form of malicious or relatively dangerous AGI may become you know easier to create easier to replicate easier to generate um, and and uh, so in, in my belief I think it's it's pretty important for us to know where are the major efforts being allocated and how's it going and are they implementing you know these best practices to avoid some of the bigger dangers that we know about and um, be able to have that degree of transparency and I'm not really you know, again, I wouldn't necessarily say that I believe we should. There should be excessive regulation, and nobody should be able to do anything. But I think that um, there has to be a little bit of tapering, and, and to a great extent, a decent amount of transparency too. So I'm definitely congenial with that idea that you've stated as well. Cool. Um, so people can find your dissertation online. You had mentioned um, would people just be able to Google uh, uh, general attention systems to be uh, able to no, pull general up? attention mechanism. Mechanism? For artificial intelligence systems. Me mechanism for artificial intelligence systems. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And uh, we also uh, actually mm, the paper I wrote with my co-authors. It's called "On Attention Mechanism for AGI Architectures: A Design Proposal." This was presented as the, at the last AGI conference in Oxford in last December, where it actually won uh, the Kurzweil uh, Best AGI Idea Prize. So that's kind of like a 10-page version of it for those that prefer that. Oh, great. Okay, cool, cool. So, yeah, that might even be a little bit quicker for the, the people who aren't super academic in this particular field. So, great. Um, I'm really glad I was able to have you on board today. Uh, and uh, Dr. Hegel, uh, or Helgeson, I, I uh, <laughs> sorry, it's that, it's that bank name that's messing me up there. What's his name? Uh, John Cleese, messing up the pronunciation. Uh, but uh, <laughs> Dr. Hegelson, thank you again very much for, for uh, taking the time today, and I'll let you know as soon as the article's wrapped up, all right? Thank you. It's been cool. a pleasure. Yep. Hey, thanks for tuning in, guys. If you're an entrepreneur or a future thinker uh, with an interest in businesses, transitions, or technologies that have the potential to alter human potential, then make sure you check out techemergence.com. It's our main blog site where you can see all of our other interviews with uh, top startup leaders, uh, entrepreneurship experts, and folks in the domain of technology, cutting-edge emerging technology. Uh, if you have a particular interest in how technology can affect the future of human consciousness and our conscious experience, and be sure to also check out sentientpotential.com. There we explore a lot of the ethical considerations and really serious moral matters of emerging technologies, in addition to interviews with great philosophers and technology experts of our day. Uh, more than anything else, always feel free to reach out if you can find us via email. Um, you can reach out to us there or whatever other way. Find us on the blog. Be sure to drop comments. We believe that the serious uh, conversation about the future is not only open-minded, but also interdisciplinary and multifaceted. So we'd like nothing more than to be able to glean your ideas as well. Um, so with that being said, with the best of intentions for a brilliant future, this is Dan Fagella signing off. And we'll see you next week. <laughs>